0: The real philosophy behind some of the stuff that we're working on at AWS Mobile is we're seeing like this movement of higher and higher levels of abstraction, I guess you'd say, with uh, developers being able to be more and more efficient with their existing skill set. You have like a front-end developer that never really coded back in before that's able to implement all of the things that you would need in a real world application. You end up kind of trading off that capital expense of like paying and building for something for more of a variable expense.
1: So, welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, I've got Nader Dabit. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on today. Cool. And uh, Nader, uh, you've made a recent transition to Amazon, working there. Do you want to explain what you're doing with AWS?
0: Yeah. So, I work with AWS Mobile, which is a team within AWS that kind of focuses on solutions for mobile developers, but also a lot of the stuff that we're working on is around PWAs as well, and and really generally applicable to web development in general as well. Primarily in our team, we have a few different projects that I'm focused on. One of them is Device Farm, one of them is AWS Amplify, and the other is AWS AppSync. And I think we're going to cover some of those later. But um, my role there is a developer advocate. So generally, the role that uh, is a developer advocate, at least at AWS, involves writing blog posts, uh, talking to developers, getting an idea of how they're using some of the products that we're working on, and um, speaking at conferences and speaking at meetups and stuff like
1: that. Awesome. And I, I know you mentioned like with the you're on the mobile team specifically. Uh, I know your experience, so we know each other from React Native Radio. Actually, I was on your podcast years ago. Actually, I got the idea of Jamstack Radio, the radio portion from that actual podcast directly. <laughs> nice. So inside baseball, right there. <laughs> um, so you mentioned like progressive web apps as part of your focus there, which is interesting. Do you want to talk more about how? someone might use AWS or AppSync or whatever, one of those tools, to do a progressive web app?
0: Yeah, so AWS Amplify and AWS AppSync, I guess, could both be applied in that, uh, in that scenario. So uh, one of the things that you think about a lot of times is uh, offline um, capabilities with uh, PWAs. We offer a GraphQL client that works with AWS AppSync. Um, if you've never heard of AppSync, AppSync is a managed GraphQL service. So it's a way to spin up a real-world GraphQL API. Uh, has things that are already built in, like authentic- authentication, authorization, scalability. It basically is a way to get up and running with GraphQL without having to build a server yourself. So we have a GraphQL client that interacts with the GraphQL server that has offline capabilities built into it. So if you've ever worked with the Apollo client, the API is very similar. And you provide an optimistic update to your UI, and all, as long as that uh, optimistic update is given to the update function, then everything works seamlessly to the client. They don't ever really know whether or not they're offline. They don't see any different experience in the application. As soon as you come back online, the data gets sent to the API, and it kind of just works without them knowing. I guess uh, another thing that we've uh, recently launched that would go within the PWA category is uh Code splitting, and or I wouldn't say code splitting. I would really say like tree shaking with some of our APIs that you can import. So before, when you worked with Amplify, you would end up importing the um, entire library in some cases if you only wanted a few different portions uh, to work within the app. Now we kind of have a way to only import the code that you need, so you end up with smaller bundle sizes. And then you know, real time. A lot of PWAs have real time capabilities built in. With GraphQL, it's more of a GraphQL thing uh, with subscriptions, where you can kind of build real time applications uh, using using some of the stuff that we have. When you talk about code
1: splitting, is are you guys using Webpack under the hood? Are you guys built your own version of that through one of these products?
0: Yeah. So I'm, I said code splitting, I meant like tree shaking. So it's kind of like okay. uh, we've rebuilt a way to import the components that you would be using without importing. Um, unnecessary code.
1: Okay. And uh, before we go further into that, I do want to take a step back and let's explain like Amplify and Appsync. So you, you touched a little bit about AppSync and like some things you can do, but I'm not really sure what Amplify is yet. So you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, totally. So um Amplify is a JavaScript library that allows front-end developers to work with a lot of the different cloud services that are out there with the consistent and easy to use API. So um, if you've ever needed to do things in your application, like push notifications, if you've ever needed to work with storage, like with S3, um, we have a a way to interact with chatbots, we have the GraphQL um, client, and um, about a dozen different features right now. So you can use the Amplify client to uh, do all of this stuff within your JavaScript application. And we have first-class support for just JavaScript in general, but we actually have components that are specifically for React, React Native and Angular and we're working on adding other frameworks in the future.
1: Cool, so we just talked about Amplify, or you just explained Amplify pretty well. Can you talk about how these other two products you mentioned before, which I believe was Device Farm, how that works in the ecosystem of AWS Mobile?
0: Yeah, so Device Farm is literally a room with a bunch of real devices that you can just implement different tests on from wherever you are virtually. If you've ever built an Android application, you know that depending on the operating system and depending on the device and depending on a bunch of different factors, you can have different things happen. And a lot of times, a lot of the bugs that come along with Android are dependent on some of these, you know, quirky use cases. So with Device Farm, you can just uh, use your uh, test suite and deploy it across a bunch of different real real-world devices. Do things like uh, record the sc- you can record the screen. You can um, Batch a bunch of different devices. You don't have to use all of them. You can kind of like pick and choose what you'd like to to do. And you can deploy tests across all of these different devices and get valuable data back and kind of save money in the in the sense that you're not having to like go and buy and test on all these devices. You're kind of renting them, I guess you would say. Or you're you're kind of using them as a service.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I know a couple other like large names companies. One that comes to mind like I'm sure you've used Firebase prior to your time at Amazon as well. And I know I never actually used their whole Mobile version to test mobile apps, uh, but it sounds familiar to that. I'm not sure what if that comparison like really is valid, but that's pretty cool that this is a thing that Amazon actually provides like within their AWS suite. With that being said, like is this truly like part of the AWS suite? Like if I sign up for Amplify or AWS Mobile, like is
0: this the same bill at the end of the day? Oh yeah, it's all part of the same thing, and it's interesting that you mentioned um, Firebase because a lot of people have compared AppSync to Firebase. So, like, with Firebase, you have this ability to just spin up a real-world server that's already implemented and it's kind of managed for you. And it's really nice to get up and running with because uh, before that came out, a lot of times people were building, like, local versions of Mongo or whatever type of SQL database they were working with. So it kind of introduced this new paradigm. With AppSync, you're actually able to kind of, like, do that but maybe take it a little further because you're not stuck to a certain database implementation. You end up having this single GraphQL layer that's a single endpoint, but you can then use any type of data source that you like. So right now, first class data sources that we support are uh, DynamoDB, which is like a NoSQL database, Elasticsearch, you can hit serverless uh, functions as a first class data source. We have HTTP endpoints. So if you can actually, you can basically send a query or a mutation and it'll send that to an existing API that you have built somewhere else. So theoretically and what we're actually seeing in real world use cases people are able to build entire applications with a single endpoint using GraphQL using an abstraction like AppSync. And what we're really seeing actually like the real philosophy behind some of the stuff that we're working on at AWS Mobile is we're seeing like this movement of higher and higher levels of abstraction I guess you'd say with developers being able to be more and more efficient with their existing skill set. So, for instance, a front-end developer can theoretically, and actually in real world now, I've, we've seen this happening, actually, and if you look at some of the startups that are doing this, you have like a front-end developer that never really coded back-end before that's able to implement all of the things that you would need in a real-world application, like push notifications, like uh, authentication, like storage, and all of these different things that normally would be pretty sophisticated to actually write on the back-end, but just taking advantage of a managed service you end up kind of trading off that capital expense of like paying and building for something for more of a variable expense so you end up not actually having to pay a lot of money until you accrue all of those users and you're also able to like iterate much faster so if you have an idea you can spin it up and, and test it out without wasting a lot of money on building stuff out
1: yeah the use case that i hear all the time is like i, I believe instagram back in the day was built on s3 um the hoster images and i think like Instagram was like so far ahead of the game when they were hosting their images somewhere else besides like paid for servers and actual like actually going there and paying for space in some sort of warehouse. It's sort of revolutionized everything that we've done since then. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny to see like so many new companies come up and like now we're like in San Francisco specifically, we see all these scooter companies that are now being bought by Uber and Lyft and stuff like that. Those are companies that started like within they might have been around maybe six months prior, whatever. But I mean, six months to acquisition—that's like insane. And like, you can just throw together an MVP really quickly using the entire AWS like suite. It's amazing because, like, to your point, I don't want to write backend code. Like, I've moved away from the so-called full stack developer a while ago because I enjoy writing JavaScript and I enjoy writing front end code. And I like learning how to do front end stuff just generally because it was like always a weakness for me so long but now I don't have to worry about all that other stuff um, which is awesome.
0: Yeah I I fully agree and I I was in Santa Monica a couple of weeks ago and I saw those scooters like for the first time in an area where I would actually like be able to take advantage of them and I ended up uh, renting a scooter and I was like flying up and down the boardwalk between Santa Monica and um, Venice Beach and it was like the best time I've had in like so long. Those scooters are pretty awesome. I know some people don't like them but you know and I, I kind of enjoyed them that, that day, and I've never like, had to live in a city where they're everywhere. Maybe they would be annoying, I guess. I don't know, I kind of like them now,
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's a testament to like the scooter business, they can focus on actual hardware and the fact of having scooters and all the tech side of it, like could be hosted and maintained somewhere else. You can also throw together a really quick dev team to throw something like that together, the interface between. Users and scooters, and they also have like these uh, individuals that go around the city and pick up the scooters. So, like, mm-hmm. I live in a part of Oakland where it's further away from downtown, but people will ride a scooter all the way to my neighborhood, which is like 59th, <laughs> and like downtown being like 10th and 11th around there. Oh, so, people wow. will ride a scooter like 50 blocks because you can do it in like 20 minutes on a scooter and pay five, six bucks for the privilege. I think Amazon's doing a really good job of continuing to provide. Value to bring people back to AWS. Like I paid sixty-two cents last uh, month for my S3 bill, but everything else I do, I end up I fall with under the the free tier. So like this is like something that AppSync is something that I would seriously take in consideration for a next project for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I agree with your whole like the general like idea that you just kind of portrayed because it's 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 really true. I mean, and and I think you're seeing especially now with the price of developers going up so fast and it's so expensive now to actually get a real team that knows what they're doing. If you're able to be able to just know that you can use this service, that not only is it going to work, but the people that have been building it are like specialists in that area and they've thought of all of those different use cases. And You know it's going to be secure. And if you're working with uh, a cloud provider, not particularly AWS, but you know there's other ones out there too, you know that it's probably going to be scalable as well. So you end up being able to kind of like if you really look at the whole, the big picture, you're able to kind of, if you take advantage of it, you're just saving money, but you're also um, being able to, to experiment again, like quicker because, you know, for certain situations back in the day, you have to have one idea and you can only really build that one idea out. If it doesn't work, you fail. But now you might be able to try out a dozen different ideas because you're able to maybe do that cheaper. And if you have that same amount of money or, or whatever, you can like just spread it out into a much bunch of different areas without having to kind of like place all of your bets on a single idea
1: so I wanted to ask about this new chatbot example. this article that showed up on Tyler McGinnis's blog. I think you had written it, sort of walking through uh, building a chatbot using some of these services we talked about. do you want to talk about the pro- that that article as well and the process of building like a real life application using the services
0: yeah, totally so uh, the the idea was you know, with Amplify, I mentioned we have all these different categories that you can use, and one of them that was just added is the uh, uh, interactions category. And then we also have a chatbot component that is like a React component that just spits out an entire you know UI along with the different functionality you would need to implement a chatbot. But like a lot of uh, you know applications that are being built now are having like voice interaction, or they're having some type of interaction where you're able to like ask questions and get answers from the user. We have a service at AWS called Amazon Lex. So Amazon Lex allows you to build these different chatbots and you can do stuff with them that takes the user response and maybe sends it to like a Lambda function. And then you have another API or you have whatever service that you're going to send that response to. And then you can kind of bring the, uh, the final result back to the user. And basically the interactions category that we added to Amplify allows you to kind of do all that. In that blog post, I kind of just walk through from the beginning to the end how to build a really basic chatbot, and then we kind of take that a little further to add the response into a Lambda function so you can kind of see how that works. And from there, you can um, then really build almost anything because you have the whole top to bottom, like beginning to finish process of how to build a chatbot. And then um, it, we kind of li- we leave it at the Lambda function a- end though because it's kind of, be too much material to cover if we wanted to go into that stuff, but yeah. but if you understand, you know, just JavaScript, you can really just follow along as it as it is. Cool. Yeah. Uh. So you guys don't get into like natural language processing towards the end. We didn't add that in that post, but I do have uh, another post uh, that's talking about building building AI our applications with GraphQL. What we did in in that example app that I built in that blog post was. We ended up using a GraphQL query and sending the query through a Lambda function that then interacts with a bunch of different services. And one of them is natural language processing. So I think in that bot, actually, we, we take the user input. It's like a translation application. So you take the user input and then the user gets to choose what language they would like it translated into. Uh, we send that information to the Lambda function. The sentence gets translated. Then the translation gets synthesized to speech, and then we choose the voice based on the uh, language, because we have like a, about a few dozen different voices you can choose, so we kind of match that together. And then we take that translation, which is an MP3, and we store it in S3, and then we return the link to the client. So the user, once they uh, get the translation back, they just play the audio on their device. So it was kind of uh, something that would probably have taken like a lot of work to do if you think about it. A couple of years ago, it's something you can actually implement in like fifteen to, to thirty minutes, depending on your experience with like React and all this stuff. And we built it using React Native, actually.
1: Okay, cool. I'll definitely check that out. I'm very interested in more in the chatbots and machine learning. It's sort of some things I've been trying to research, but haven't really done much about it. I appreciate you going through that article, and uh, I just had one more question. Actually, I was. Curious about the AWS CLI. Is anything you touch or
0: anything that you know about the work around that? So, not particularly the AWS CLI. I've used it. Um, I don't really work in that team or, or with that uh, actual CLI. We have an, our own CLI called the AWS Mobile CLI. And the AWS Mobile CLI is kind of uh, similar to the AWS CLI, but you can actually do uh, things like spinning up actual real serverless applications from the command line. So, for instance, as a front-end developer, I'm not used to working in the AWS console like many people that might be like front-end developers. So it was a nice way for me to get started with AWS because you basically install the CLI into your you know npm globally like you normally would with any like a global package, and then you can just say uh, uh, AWS Mobile Init, and it initializes an application. And not only do you have like some configuration locally, but it actually creates a application in your AWS console. And then from there, you can, when I say from there, from the terminal, you can then add services locally and then push them up to the cloud without actually ever ever leaving your terminal. So you can add things like, you can add the AppSync GraphQL uh, server, you can add authentication, you can add analytics, you can add a bunch of different things just uh, from your command line. So it's kind of, uh, for me, it was a nice entry point into AWS.
1: Yeah. It's common. I know Azure has their CLI as well and a couple other infrastructure as a service platforms are going that route. I think it's great for like tutorials because like if you're gonna get super lost in the actual AWS console, which I think in the last two years since I've been using it, has gotten better and better every like literally every three months. So hats off to that team for sure, because I remember the first time I ever used it like five years ago was this. Mind-numbing where everything was and how everything connected. So definitely check that out, listeners, if you haven't been on the console in a while. But also check out the CLI. So Nader, I think this is like getting towards the tail end of our conversation. Do you have anything else you wanted to mention that AWS is working on or that you're a part of?
0: No, not really. I would just say that if you're interested in um, GraphQL in general and you kind of want to get a a first look at it without having to worry about building your server, um, check out AppSync and Ping me on Twitter if you have any questions. Uh, my name is Dabit3, Dabit three D A B I T and the number three on Twitter, and I love to be on there answering questions. So,
1: cool. We do have one more section, which is picks. So I didn't see you update anything in the show notes, which is fine. I am totally fine to go first uh, and provide my picks uh, while you think through your picks. Uh, but these are things that keep you going, things that keep you jamming at work or after work. So my pick is I quit coffee last week. <laughs> yeah, it's a it was a sort of an accidental thing. I just got so busy, so I'm actually ramping up to having my second child. Back when I first started programming was when I was having my first child. So that was almost five years ago, and that's when I actually started drinking coffee. It was like after my son was born. So now I've just I mentioned that because it's ironic that now I'm sort of off coffee, but for some reason I feel way more energetic. I have so much more energy. Which rolls into my next pick, which I'm not sure if it's either not drinking coffee or it's because I'm eating healthier. So I've been doing the whole chia seeds and coconut milk for breakfast for the past uh, three days at least. I did maybe one day last week. And I definitely have found like my energy level is way higher than normal for sure. And I'm like, I, I used to spend a lot of late nights drinking lots of espressos and coffees and coating through the night. And I can do the same with just having a healthier life choice and food. Who'd have thought that a healthier diet would have gave you more energy? <laughs> so those are my two picks. And I think I'll pass it over to you, Natter.
0: Yeah. So how long after like you stopped drinking coffee did your energy actually come to to be? I didn't really even notice
1: it. And like again, coffee was more accidental. I just forgot to buy coffee. <laughs> and I was just doing so many meetings and traveling that I wasn't really grabbing a coffee. I was just kind of like this going through the day. And then I was like, oh, well, let me just not have a coffee today. So I did switch to green tea instead, but it might have been like maybe day three. But at least in the last six months, I've been making it a point to not work late nights and to wake up at a normal time in the morning. So that's another thing. But that was like six months ago. I was still tired up until then.
0: Cool. I've, I've always wanted to try stopping to drink coffee, but I never do it. <laughs> like Every time I talk to someone that's done it, I hear that it's good. But I think I need to have like a week where I like, don't need to get anything done because... It's just like, I feel like I would be depressed that whole week. It's truly, I have two picks, if that's okay. Um, my yeah, first definitely. one is Vero Media. It's a way to build VR and AR applications using JavaScript. So I've been playing around with this stuff for a while now. I gave a talk on it recently at, at React Amsterdam. And um, I'm over here at Chain React Conference this week in Portland. And um, they keep adding, adding new features and, and making, making it better and better. So if you've ever wanted to build um, AR and VR and you know JavaScript, or even if you don't know JavaScript and you want like, a cool cross-platform way to build AR and VR, uh, check it out because um, it does actually work with uh, not only iOS but also Android. So it's Vero Media. And then my second pick is uh, this cotton candy maker that I just bought. It's called the Nostalgia Retro Hard Candy Cotton Candy Maker. And it was like $30 online. You can find it in a few different places online. And uh, what you basically can do is you can stick any type of candy in the machine and it'll make cotton candy out of it. So that means like Jolly Ranchers or Warheads, those are the things that I'm going to be trying when I get this in uh, in the mail. But uh, it's pretty cool. Like if you have kids, it's actually probably a really fun thing to do. I'm looking forward to doing this with my kids. I think they just sold another cotton candy maker. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I think
1: I'll be replacing my, my coffee intake with cotton candy. <laughs> yeah, cool. I really appreciate that pick. That's awesome. So Nader, thanks for coming on and talking about AWS and AWS Mobile and all the other stuff that Amazon's working on uh, for infrastructure-wise. And listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of
0: developer tools companies and other industry leaders.